William the Duke of Normandy invaded England in the year 1066 and defeated Harold Godwinson at the Battle of Hastings. Over the next two months, William's army marched around southeast England, gaining control by force until he finally reached London. However, prior to William being crowned the King of England, the Witten elected another, Edgar Etheling, the last legitimate king of the land. Edgar, having no army to back him, and being a boy of around 14 at the time, would swear homage to William to secure his life. William would be crowned on the 25th of December, but his new kingdom was far from secure. Although he had technically taken the kingdom by right of conquest, the north of England had always been a wild, less centralised place. The land of Northumbria had a long history of rebelling against the crown, stretching back hundreds of years. Edgar the Etheling was the last direct descendant of Alfred the Great and the true heir to the throne of England, and he was stirring rebellion in the north and was gaining the attention of Danes, Scots and Northumbrians who would rally to him. The land of England was intertwined with Edgar's ancestors. Alfred, Edward and Ethelstan, to name a few, had united the country over the generations and had made the land one. The people of England knew this, but William the Duke of Normandy had taken the whole land through conquest. Edgar, like his ancestors before him, would wage war in order to take back his birthright. As Edgar's ancestor Alfred the Great had fought Guthrum from the marshes of Somerset, Edgar would fight William from the wasteland that would become Northumbria. This war would result in the utmost devastation for Northumbria. The land was scarred, whole towns and villages were reduced to nothing. The people were indiscriminately killed and resulted to cannibalism. It was indeed hell on earth. From this hell, Edgar Etheling and his remaining loyal lords and men who remembered what it was to be Saxon would wage war against the Norman war machine and the result would be countless death and an ancient English kingdom reduced to ash. During the succession crisis of 1066, both William and Edgar would make their claims to the English throne. Edgar was the grandson of Edmund Ironside the older brother of Edward the Confessor, who was the last King of England from the Wessex line. In the battles between the Saxons and the Vikings, Edmund Ironside and Canute the Great would make peace after an age of war. They split the country between them. However, just weeks later, Edmund mysteriously died. He either died from his festering wounds from the prior battles, or he was assassinated. Edmund's children then fell into the hands of Canute, who was intent on keeping his own succession secure, and exiled them, and sent them into the court of Olaf the Swede, who supposedly had instructions to kill the children. However, Olaf was an old ally of Ethelred the Unready, the young prince's grandfather, and he declined to kill them. Instead, Olaf spared the children, and the princes were sent to the safety of the Kingdom of Hungary, where they remained in the care of King Stephen I, the last Grand Prince of the Hungarians. After fleeing assassins hired by Canute, 
the Ethelings arrived at the court of Kievan Rus in 1028, where the princes remained under the tutelage of Prince Yaroslav the Wise until adulthood. As the years passed, Canute would die, and his line would be extinguished with the death of his son Hathcanute. The Viking rule over England lasted over 20 years, and after the death of Hathcanute, Edward, the son of King Ethelred the Unready, and half-brother to Edmund Ironside, was recalled from his exile in Normandy by the Witten, and was crowned king in 1042. England was back in the hands of the House of Wessex. On hearing that one of Edmund Ironside's sons was alive, Edward the Confessor recalled him to England in 1056, and made him his heir. This boy was now a man, and is remembered to history as Edward the Exile. The Exile offered the last chance of an undisputed succession within the Saxon royal house. News of the Exile's existence came at a time when the old Anglo-Saxon monarchy was recently restored after a long period of Danish domination. The Confessor, personally devout but politically weak and childless, was unable to make an effective stand against the powerful and ambitious sons of Godwin, the Earl of Wessex. Edward the Exile appeared at just the right time, approved both by the King and by the Witten. He offered a way in which there would be no succession crisis, as he was a legitimate heir by blood. The Exile finally arrived in England in 1057 with his wife and children, but died within a few days on the 19th of April without ever meeting the king. Edward the Exile's son was Edgar, who was now the only surviving member of the royal dynasty apart from the king himself. However, Edward the Confessor made no effort or attempt to name Edgar the heir while he was alive. When King Edward the Confessor died in January of 1066, Edgar was still in his early teens, considered too young to be an effective military leader. In addition to this, he commanded no men and held no lands. War was clearly inevitable, and Edgar was in no position to fight it, as he was without powerful adult relatives to champion his cause. Accordingly, the Witten, who were the Lords of England, elected Harold Godwinson as the best man to defend the country against the competing foreign claimants to succeed Edward the Confessor. In the battles to come, Harold Godwinson would fall, and William the Duke of Normandy would become William the Conqueror, the King of England. William kept Edgar in his custody, and took him along with other English leaders to his court in Normandy in 1067, before returning with them to England. Edgar would soon escape his custody under William. This 16-year-old boy would ride north and would stir rebellion. In the shadows, the northern rebels were organising themselves into an effective force around the figurehead Edgar Etheling. Edgar would make an alliance with Malcolm III, the King of the Scots, who married Edgar's sister Margaret. Not only did the rebels want to reinstate what they considered to be the true line of kings of England, as they were already calling and referring to Edgar as the king, but the Anglo-Saxon lords had also lost much of their lands to the Norman nobles, and Edgar, 
was their solution in getting back their lost power. Edgar had also forged an alliance with another king, Swain II of Denmark, who promised to back him and send him men should he need his assistance against William. Northumbria had long been a wild and dangerous place, however, when William the Conqueror ascended to the English throne, it truly became a savage land, not discriminating between high and low-born. Cosby, a Northumbrian magnate, offered homage to William, and William rewarded this by making him the Earl of Northumbria. After just five weeks as Earl, Cosby was murdered by Osulf, the grandson of Uhtred the Bold, in a blood feud that had lasted generations. Soon enough, Osulf would also be slain, and his cousin Cospatric would buy the earldom from William. Earl Cospatric would soon become one of the leaders who joined the young Edgar Etheling in his rebellion against William. Edwin the Earl of Mercia would also join the rebellion. Edgar now had the allegiance of the King of Scotland, the King of Denmark, the Earl of Northumbria, and the Earl of Mercia. Edgar had the support of nations, and half of England, and he was the true last heir of the land, so the people would rally to him. He was a symbol of hope against the invading Normans, who had subjugated much of the English aristocracy, and were demanding high taxes, affecting lord and peasant alike. William, now aware that trouble was brewing in the north, sent Robert the Comyn to Northumbria with 700 men to dispose of Gospatric from the earldom of Northumbria, as word had reached the king's ears of his treachery. Robert would reach as far north as Durham. When he arrived, Bishop Ethelwine warned him that a rebel army was lingering in the north and would mobilise against him. Robert, however, would ignore this advice. The Northumbrian rebels attacked the city of Durham in 1069. They would quickly storm into the city and began slaying any Normans they came across. Robert's Norman knights were quickly put to the sword or fled, thus completely wiping out his army and William the Conqueror's hold of the north. Robert would hear the commotion from inside the bishop's house he was staying in. The rebels knew the bishop had sided with the Normans and had abandoned his fellow Saxons, so they burnt his house to the ground, and Robert was consumed by the flames. Durham had just fallen, and Edgar Etheling would take advantage of this, with the energy of the northerners being unmatched due to their restless spirit. He would march south to the city of York. The city quickly fell, as the townsmen recognised Edgar as their natural lord, and would call him king. Edgar, who although was young, was now a leader of men, but the Game of Thrones he was playing was dangerous, and the land he wished to rule would suffer. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, this is what transpired. Edgar Etheling marched with all the Northumbrians to York, and the townsmen treated with him, on which King William came from the south with all of his troops, and sacked the town, and slew many hundred persons. William, just back from Normandy at the time, received news of the disasters at Durham and York, and responded in typical fashion, personally marching north with an even bigger army than previously, 
William arrived at York so quickly, he caught the rebels off guard and routed those still with the stomach to fight. After Edgar's early success, William quickly showed him who had the more competent army. Under the Conqueror, the Normans were truly a force to be reckoned with. They had already put down one Anglo-Saxon king, and the Etheling was next. The Danes had long claimed parts of England as their own, and these Viking warriors were infamous for taking full advantage of any political upheaval in foreign parts they considered a rich source of plunder. Aspion, the brother of Swain II of Denmark, landed off the coast of northern England with a Danish fleet of some 300 ships in September of 1069, and Edgar was recalled from Scotland. York was, yet again, to be the focal point of the rebellion. The Danes reportedly sailed to York with 240 ships, where they met Edgar Etheling and Earl Cospatrick of Northumbria. In the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, they were described as an immense army. Edgar would personally lead his men to York, and they quickly retook the city through bloodshed. In the chaos, the Norman castle there was demolished, the slaughter was recorded, and many Frenchmen fell, and many prisoners were carried back to the Danes' ships. Edgar, yet again, had defeated the forces of William, and had retaken the north. This was the biggest Norman defeat of the entire conquest, and now, the most serious threat to William's reign in England. William assembled an army, and marched. When the king finally arrived at his destination, he found an empty city. The Danes had retreated down the River Trent, with their extensive riches from York, and Edgar and his allies were gone. Without a fleet of his own, William could not pursue the Danes, and so he returned to the old policy of the Anglo-Saxon kings, and paid them to leave the English shores. To make it clear to anyone with an interest in the north of England, William decided to spend the Christmas of 1069 in York, even moving the royal court there. William was telling the country the north was his, and he would hold it by any means necessary. The Conqueror then turned his attention to the rebels, as they were not prepared to meet his army in a pitched battle. So, William would employ a strategy that would cripple his enemy, but that would also stain his soul forever. Edgar would retaliate, and led a seaborne raid into the Kingdom of Lindsay, which was a lesser Anglo-Saxon kingdom that had been absorbed into Northumbria. Edgar would again prove his mettle, and would lead his men into the action himself, in order to further prove he was worthy to be king. However, the raid ended in disaster, with most of Edgar's followers being slain. Edgar himself managed to escape alive with a handful of royal followers, and then rejoined the bulk of his army. Early in the year 1070, William moved against Edgar and the other English leaders, who had taken refuge with their remaining followers in a marshy region, and he put them to flight. Edgar then returned to Scotland. King William was growing weary of the rebellion in the north, it was as if the region had declared its independence, so the Conqueror would move to break the Northerners in body and spirit. Orderic Vitalis, 
was a monk who was born in Shropshire in 1075, of a Saxon mother and a Norman father. He was a chronicler, who wrote one of the great contemporary chronicles of the 11th and 12th century, Normandy and Anglo-Norman England. He usually praised King William in his writings, but wrote this about the harrying of the North. The king stopped at nothing to hunt down his enemies. He cut down many people, and destroyed homes and land. Nowhere else had he shown such cruelty, and to his shame, he made no effort to control his fury, and he punished the innocent with the guilty. He ordered that crops and herds, tools and food be burned to ashes. More than a hundred thousand people perished of hunger. I have often praised William in this book, but I can say nothing good about this brutal slaughter. God will punish him. Any lingering rebels across the north of England were mercilessly hunted down and executed or tortured. The north once again became a lawless land, with people forced into eating whatever they could, from dogs to human corpses. Yes, the Northumbrians resulted to cannibalism in order to survive. The north was on fire, entire villages and fields were burned, men, women and children put to the sword, or perhaps suffered an even worse fate, of withering away until death claimed them. Edgar's allies were slowly losing power. King Swain II of Denmark had been bought off by William, and the north was on fire. Edgar would flee back to Scotland with his allies. En route, Earl Edwin of Mercia was murdered, betrayed by his own retinue. Gospatric, the Earl of Northumbria, couldn't feed or transport an army, as his lands were ash and his people's spirits broken. Edgar remained in the safety of Scotland until 1072. William would then invade Scotland, with its king being the last rebel with major influence. He then forced King Malcolm to submit to his overlordship. The terms of the agreement was the expulsion of Edgar from England, under pain of death. Edgar's rebellion was over. Now out of allies, he sailed for France, but the luckless Edgar was shipwrecked on the coast of England by a violent storm. He managed to escape to Scotland yet again, where he was persuaded by Malcolm to make peace with William, and return to England as his subject, abandoning any ambition of regaining his ancestral throne. William forged his new dynasty, and Edgar, the last of an abandoned bloodline of kings, was alone. However, the blood of kings ran through his veins. As a teenager, he had began a rebellion and fought in the bloodiest and most hellish period Northumbria has ever seen. His restlessness would lead him to participate in countless battles, and would even lead him to become a warrior in the First Crusade. Nevertheless, the time of the line of the House of Wessex was over, and a new dynasty would rule over the English throne. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.